President Clinton. Ready to go? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Let's call the meeting to order. Thank you. Good evening. This is the July 11th, 2023 regular meeting of the Rent Board Commission. I am Executive Director and Board Secretary Christina Varner, and Rent Board staff member Diana Flores and I will be managing the WebEx remote meeting functions this evening. Some members of the public are attending the meeting in person, and members of the public may also view the meeting live online at the link listed on the agenda and remote meeting access information. This information changed about two hours ago. We ask members of the public for their patience during tonight's hybrid meeting. Public comment may be provided by telephone only by dialing 415-655-0001 and entering access code 2664-647-3472. The commission will take public comment for members of the public present at the in-person meeting first and then we'll take comment from members of the public appearing remotely. As in previous meetings, I want to thank the many people who have worked to make this meeting possible, including the Rent Board Commissioners, Corwin Cooley and his team at the Department of Technology, Rent Board staff, particularly Craig Van Spronson, Amir Omidbari, Kathy Helton, Eileen O'Neill, Diana Flores, Senior ALJs, Joey Kumis and Connie Brandon, and Board Secretaries from across the city, who continue to provide much needed advice on remote meetings. Thank you. For members of the public appearing both in person and remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required, to state your name for the record. If you are calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate, and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. Again. Public comment for members of the public appearing in, in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov slash rentboard in the commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda, and remote meeting access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2664-647-3472, press pound, and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear, you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you're in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, TVs, and other devices around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again, and you will hear you have lowered your hand. 
When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Please visit the Rent Board's website for ongoing updates regarding hybrid Rent Board Commission meetings. President Kruger? Yes, um, thank you. We'll go to item number two. Uh, Commissioner Mossbacher, the reading of the promises below land acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatosh Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their tradition, the Ramatosh Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatosh community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first people. Thank you very much. Item three, roll call. Thank you, President Kruger. President Kruger? Here. President Kruger present. Commissioner Tom? Here. Commissioner Tom present. Commissioner Wasserman? Here. Commissioner Wasserman present. Commissioner Klein? Here. Commissioner Klein present. Commissioner Mossbrooker? Here. Commissioner Mossberger present. Commissioner Crow. Commissioner Crow not present. Commissioner Chan. Commissioner Chan present. Commissioner Sawney. Present. Commissioner Sawney present. Commissioner Hung. Commissioner Hung not present. And Commissioner Haley. Present. Commissioner Haley present. Uh, I would like to acknowledge that the following staff members are also present today. Senior Administrative Law Judge Joey Kumas and myself, Executive Director and Board Secretary Christina Varner. Um, Rent Board Specialist Diana Flores is joining us remotely. And we also have two new Rent Board staff uh, observing here this evening, um, Amanda Esquivel and Craig Van Sponson. Okay, thank you. Uh... We move, is item four remarks from the public? Yes. We had adjusted that at the opening. I'm sorry? We had adjusted that. It's adjusted right here? Yes, it is. Okay. Then. Thank you. All your, Thank you so much. Thank you. It is now time for the first of two public comment periods. The second public comment period will occur after the consideration of appeals. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. 
You are encouraged, but not required, to state your name for the record. If you're calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. As stated earlier, public comment for members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. We will now take comment from members of the public here in the meeting room. Please step forward one at a time if you wish to speak. No members of the public have uh, indicated they wish to speak here in the meeting room at this time. So now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comment, we will open up public comment opportunities for members of the public attending the meeting remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the rent board's website at sf.gov slash rent board in the commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda and remote meeting access information, Remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2664-647-3472, press pound and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear, you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you're in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again, and you will hear, you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Renford staff member Diana Flores will be operating the phone system today. I will be keeping time. When your time is up, you should hear a timer ringing. Time will be called and you as the caller will be muted. Ms. Flores, do we have any callers raising their hands in the queue wishing to provide public comment? There are no callers in the queue at this time. Ms. Flores, are there any members of the public now appearing in the queue raising their hand wishing to provide comment? No, not at this time. Thank you so much. So we'll give it just one more moment. There are some members of the public viewing the meeting remotely, um, but it appears no one has, is raising their hand. Okay, seeing as there are no additional members of the public raising their hand, 
wishing to provide remote public comment, we will go ahead and close the first of two public comment periods this evening. Thank you, Ms. Flores. President Kruger. Okay, we'll move on to item six, consideration of appeals. I'm sorry, President Kruger, I apologize. It's uh, approval of the minutes. What's that? Oh, I skipped it. Uh, number five, approval of the minutes. Uh, to approve the minutes of uh, June 13th, um, 2023. So moved. Any discussion? Additions to practice? Call for the vote. A motion to approve the minutes of June 13th, 2023. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrucker? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Uh, Commissioner Tom? Aye. Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. Commissioner Sawney? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? Okay, the minutes are approved. Move on to item six, consideration of appeals. Start with item A, 1550 Bay Street, apartment B, 415. The tenant's appeal was filed six days late because the tenant states that they were out of town. The decision was mailed. So I had to file a notice of recusal on this one. Uh, sure. I filed a notice of recusal with the Ethics Commission on 1550 Bay Street because I represent Caucasian, the owner of this property, although I had nothing to do with this matter. Spent out. Thank you, Commissioner Wasserman. So Commissioner Wasserman is going to uh, depart the meeting for the consideration of item A. So we have a, a late filing. Do I have a motion uh, to accept the, uh, a late filing? I would move to find good cause for the late filing. Okay. Call for the vote. You can't. You cannot respond while the commission is consideration. Sir, you can address the commission when it's time for the second public comment period. Can address the. You cannot speak about the. You had your opportunity to speak during the first public comment period, sir. That's the agenda. The, the commissioners discuss the appeal, and then you can speak during public comment. It's not. It's not an interactive hearing. It's a an open policy. You can, you can do so after the consideration of appeals, sir. We had the opportunity to make comment during the public comment period.
Well, it, 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 what, what's the uh, pleasure of the board? Are we okay to? Well, let's reopen uh, re yeah, uh, comments it from the public. It sounds like we and, have a, another member of the public who wishes to correct. provide comment as well and was unclear on how a public meeting operates. So, I would be fine with that. Yeah. As, as long as we know this isn't a common practice, that this is uh, an exception. This has not happened since I have been the board secretary for, for eight years. So if you would like to do so, President Kruger. Uh, why don't we reopen for reopen uh, public comment and yeah, make comment please. from members of the public. And please, uh, please, with the, with the, uh, the proper uh, uh, introduction from you. That two okay. minutes or three so, minutes. What so we, we are going to return to. Um, pardon me. We should bring Commissioner Wasserman. Yeah, we would have to. Yes, we would have to bring Commissioner Wasserman back and reopen public comment remotely as well. So we uh, we can do that because there are now members of the public wishing to provide comment as well. So out of fairness to all parties, we would reopen. That's fine. We can go back. Go. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> okay, ready? Okay. Go ahead and announce. Okay. So, members of the public present in the meeting room and appearing remotely, um, we are returning to agenda item four, which is remarks from the public. We're going returning and reopening uh, remarks from the public, the first public comment opportunity for this evening. So, in a public meeting, a policy body meeting, the only opportunities to address the commissioners are during the public comment periods. This is not an in interactive hearing, like a hearing that you may have participated in at the rent board prior to this meeting. Um, so uh, for all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, general procedures have not changed. Uh, both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required, to state your name for the record. If you're calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. As stated earlier, public comment for members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will, uh, pardon me, open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. We will now take comment from members of the public here in the meeting room. Please step forward one at a time. Please step to the podium and use the mic to make your comment so that you're audible. Thank you. Uh, my name's Evan Goldman. I uh, live for uh, over 15 years at 1550 Bay Street. It's Marina Cove, apartment B415. 
and I have uh, participated in the previous hearing about capital improvements that the landlord owner requested to pass through to the tenants. Uh, I opposed that uh, uh, petition, uh, and uh, I then there was a decision by the uh, appeared at the hearing. There was a decision by the uh, administrative law judge. Um, and I appealed that decision, and I now want to respond. There was another document which I just received by mail uh, yesterday, which was the uh, administrative law judge's response to my appeal. And I wanted to relate to that and have the, uh, the board, I understand this is appeal to the board, the board consider my appeal, uh, both, uh, you know, the substantive reasons for my appeal, which I do not believe were properly addressed uh, by the administrative law judge. Do I just go on? I don't know. You have two more minutes, sir. Okay. So, so as as I stated, I was uh, out of the country um, when uh, the decision was mailed. Uh, therefore, in terms of the untimeliness of it, it uh, arrived right before Memorial Day weekend, and so I was not able to address this until right after Memorial Day weekend. So it was a few days after, I guess, the 15-day period. So that's in terms of the timeliness. Okay. In terms of the actual. Uh, uh, facts of the case, and I'll relate to the administrative law judge's uh, document, which I just received yesterday. Uh, as she states, my main uh, concern as in the hearing, original hearing, and in this appeal is that, in my opinion, and as I also brought evidence, statements, in the hearing itself, which were not contradicted by the owner representatives, when I was at, and when I asked, when I brought them up and they were asked directly, uh, the nature of the capital improvements, the major ones, the most expensive ones, were what is termed gold plating. They were of a cosmetic nature. It's a continued process by this particular owner since the owner took over the building to make this building from a uh, fairly uh, um, non-luxury uh, 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 complex into a luxury complex so that they can maximize uh, the rents that they can collect for the units. And so there are many tenants like myself who are paying way below uh, the market rates. Some of them have been there for 20 to 40 years. They're paying, uh, uh, they're, they're elderly, they have very little income. And so the socioeconomic status is apparent. It's apparent in the document that the administrative law judge uh, uh, actually uh, uh, presented. They're, all the rents are listed there, the, the, the amounts that people pay. Um, in terms of the uh, actual um, statement, the main statement, I know I don't have much time, I didn't realize I had only had three minutes. The section 7.15C says it's the burden of. Do I have no more time? I can't ask for more time. So there's no way for me to respond substantively to what was said incorrectly in this document from the administrative law judge. No. Sir, you have had your time to speak. I don't. I'm. I'm sorry. This is not my. I'm not. This is. This is. This is very unjust. I thought the San Francisco Rent Board was to protect tenants. I, I'm really surprised. Curtis Dallin for respondents um, regarding item 6F. Hang on for a second.
it okay if I not even use my? Can you hear me? No, you need yeah. to please use the mic so okay, that okay. you're audible on Understood. the Understood. exterior. Do I start now? Good. No, Please okay. continue. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me restart the time. Sure. This has been quite an evening. Okay. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, good evening. Curtis Dowling for respondents on item 6F. Uh, both parties have appealed the remand decision. Mr. Gladstone secured a remand by improperly submitting additional evidence at the after the first hearing. He's now doing it again. The declaration of Mike Silva and advertisements should be disregarded. The time to have offered more evidence in support of the petition was at the most recent hearing on May 24, not now. Remand was ordered because Mr. Gladstone misrepresented ALJ Kearns' decision in his first appeal. In his first appeal, he claimed that he lost the original decision because of a lack of evidence of use over the years, but this was not why he lost. He lost because he could not provide any substantial evidence that he had been promised the ability to make this usage prior to signing his lease. The focus was properly on promises made at the commencement of his tenancy, not what he then did as a tenant years after the commencement of his tenancy. And all the new witnesses simply offered testimony about what they did and saw years after that commencement date. None of these new witnesses' testimony changed the core fact that there was no substantial evidence that he had been promised this tandem parking usage. None of them were present during lease negotiations. There's no reason and certainly no new evidence warranting a change in that core finding. Of the new witnesses who testified at the May 24 hearing, only one lived in the building prior to Mr. Gladstone's first moving in. That was Greg Brill. But significantly, Mr. Brill admitted that he never witnessed any discussion about the terms of Mr. Gladstone's lease. So, no evidence was submitted that changed ALJ Kearns' initial factual finding that there was no sufficient evidence to, to establish that tandem parking was ever promised prior to execution of the lease. The declaration from Mike Silva does not change that fact either. As a result, Vertex's appeal should be granted and the original decision should be reinstated. As for Mr. Gladstone's appeal concerning the amount of the reduction, his lease established the value of his parking space at $100 per month. ALJ Kearns explicitly so found on page 9 of the remand decision. Mr. Gladstone has parking. He took the liberty of having friends park behind his own car. The issue is the value of tandem parking for his guests on the very rare occasions when such usage actually occurred, not for his own parking. Adjusted over time to its current value of $145.20, again, page 9 of the remand decision, the value of the space in its entirety is $1,742.40 per year for a space in which Mr. Gladstone regularly parks his own vehicle. Mr. Gladstone's own evidence revealed that we are talking about 65 or so incidents of tandem parking with the courts of 27 years. That means an average of 2.4 times per year. That means 2.5 times per year when his friends would have otherwise needed to simply park in the street. What is the cost of a parking meter for even an entire day? And yet Mr. Gladstone asks that this 2.4 times per year average annual usage be valued at anywhere from $4,200 to nearly $7,000 per year. It was more than appropriate for ALJ Kearns to issue a reduction that was a fraction of the contractually agreed value of parking. The rent board does not award damages and the measure urged by Mr. Gladstone is basically one for damages. That measure is legally inappropriate, constitutes overreach, and Mr. Gladstone's appeal should be denied. Thank you. Are there any additional members of the public here in the meeting room who wish to provide public comment? If you wish to provide comment, you will have three minutes, sir, and we ask that you please step up to the mic. You can, you can speak for three minutes now, and then public comment will close. The commissioners will then consider all the appeals. 
and then that will close. So they will discuss and vote on all the appeals and then public comment will reopen and you will have another opportunity to speak for three minutes. Okay. Okay. I appeal the ALJ's decision because I believe the ALJ erred or abused his discretion in the following respects. ALJ concluded that I successfully met my burden uh, for my space for visiting guests is a housing service and connected with the use of or occupancy of the subject rental unit. However, ALJ erred by placing the value of my second spot of $43. ALJ applied a rent control formula to my second spot, which is incorrect. It's my understanding if a tenant is paying $1,000 a month for rent control apartment, was wrongfully evicted, and had to pay $3,500 replacement apartment, the landlord would be liable for the overpaid rent, not just $1,000. My situation is no different. Since I was wrongfully evicted for my second spot, that parking spot should either be reinstated by the landlord or replaced with an indoor reserve spot within a reasonable distance from the building. I've attached two ads for a garage parking in my neighborhood. Both are $350. I'm a 65-year-old man with multiple prosthesis. I will likely need assistance in the future, and therefore it's imperative that my spot be reinstated or provided uh, meeting the criteria above. Giving me $43 a month in the marina is unreasonable, does not come close to compensating me for the loss of a housing service, which will benefit the landlord for its wrongful actions. I'm attaching a, a, seventh, a seventh formal declaration. And by the way, he wasn't the only person. There was Cam also who lived in the building um, as well. A seventh from Mike Silva to provide further proof. I was further proof. I was provided a tandem spot when I entered the lease in 95. His sworn testimony is critical because it gives historical perspective of tandem parking in the building. He states that my car in tandem consistently to accommodate guests. He observed parking spaces and tenants in the building was routine practice in the 90s. He and his wife parked tandem daily as they both had cars. He stated that my spot prior to my tenancy was used in tandem. He and his wife exited and entered the garage through the door in front of my car. In 25 years of my using the spot in tandem, there was never a tenant um, property management complaint. He says 65 times. That was proven 65 times by the testimonies. That's the minimum. It was probably a few times a month, okay? The landlord is aggressively trying to take away a housing service that I have had for no other reason, in my opinion, for utter harassment purposes. I am not trying to gain anything. I'm just trying to preserve a housing service I enjoyed since 95. If he restores my tandem parking spot, all is fine. The, the current judgment provides a landlord a tremendous reward for unjustly taking away a service I have enjoyed since 1995. I respectfully request for fairness and justice if landlord elects not to restore my tandem spot, my monthly rent be reduced by $350. Uh, when he says rare occasion 65 times, that's what I got sworn testimony on live camera. That's not how many I did it. It's not rare occasions. Um, and the, in the mid-90s, Greg Grill... Thank you. Are there any additional members of the public meeting? Oh, thank you so much, Blake. Thank you so much. 
Good evening, uh, everybody. Uh, my name is Liu, and I'm owner of the uh, two four seven one forty six Avenue. And my tenant, my tenant complained the last something. That's not right because you know about the solar. Solar is the, is the for uh, save for the save save the money for the PTAD. But she, before she pay, but then now she does she uh, she don't want to pay that. <laughs> yeah, my English not really good, so I did uh, my friend talk to me uh, help me to talk that. Um, my name is Elizabeth. I'm talking for Anne Liu. She's my friend. So regarding the um, uh, the case AL two three zero zero three eight. Um, uh, there's a few items, but it's regarding the solar system. So that the, her and her tenant has an agreement that uh, that when she had the solar system, the electric bill gonna be a lot lower. So that's why they share 50-50. So that's why they said 50-50 of the solar bill. Oh no, no, 50-50 uh, uh, on the uh, electricity bill because Otherwise, without the solar system, the electric city bill would have been a similar house. It would have been almost $300 a month. But right now, the PG&E bill is about $80 a month. So $80, $90 a month. So $50, $50 is only $45. Uh, so that's the reason, uh, you know. So so that 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 conversation or the agreement uh, for the solar system was between themselves. It's not on the lease. Because after the tenant moved in, then she talked and they talk about saving energies and put a solar system in. So that was verbally um, uh, agreed upon. It was not on the lease and was not anyone writing. However, the tenant make the monthly payment, uh, make the share payment for the solar system. That means the tenant accept the agreement. So they have the buying agreement without any written because they had a verbal agreement, and that tenant make that uh, payment, and that been going on for, for for how for long? Yeah, but then now she only pay thirty percent for the for the yeah yeah for for the solar for the solar is uh is uh it, so they stop paying because I don't know they were advised by by the rent board and they stop paying because in the appeal saying that they were advised so they're not paying, and then other things is uh about utility. Utility in the lease say 50-50, but they have been only paying one third. So she just say we go back to the lease and utility, electricity, gas, water, and garbage share 50-50. So she just want to be fair. Right now she doesn't doesn't pay for the solar and the garbage. Yeah. So now they stop paying for solar, and now they only pay one. Yeah, they don't stop paying for solar. They stop paying for garbage, and then a utility, uh, the rest of utility, electric and gas, they only pay one third instead of fifty fifty. One third, that's thirty percent. Thirty percent for the utility. Yeah. Okay, that's it. You know. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Are there any additional members of the public in the meeting room wishing to provide comment?
Now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comment, we will open up public comment opportunities for members of the public attending the meeting remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov slash rentboard in the commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda, and remote meeting access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2664-647-3472, press pound, and press pound again you will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you're in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again, and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may sp stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Uh, again, Rent Board staff member Diana Flores will be operating the phone system today, and I will be keeping time. When your time is up, you should hear a timer ringing, time will be called, and you as the caller will be muted. Ms. Flores, do we have any callers raising their hands in the queue wishing to provide public comment? Yes, we have two callers in the queue. Thank you so much. Can you please allow the first caller? Good evening. Mark Carton here speaking on item 6E, 8T230039. Uh, my comments are rather short. The rent board provides for tenants to request uh, the board to impose a rent decrease retroactive to the time the parties entered into a lease for decreases in, in services. And that time could extend back in time 10 years or more. The rent board encourages settlements in the disputed hearings or mediations and as a part of the settlements, the rent board provides their own uh, settlement agreements, which provide that the terms of the agreement are not satisfied. The circumstances surrounding the failure of this agreement may be taken into account in a subsequent rent board proceeding. However, that doesn't seem to apply in the case where a, a tenant brings a subsequent rent board proceeding. And I think that the rent board should at least inform the tenants that they will no longer have rights within the rent board to come in forward and assert their rights in the event the landlord in bad faith comes back and does not satisfy the terms of the agreement. And in this case, in 60, the ALJ errs by not reopening the claim or allowing any evidence of the landlord's failure to comply with the terms of the settlement agreement, and nor did he allow for the open the decision or allow showing of 
decrease in services continuing into the future, not just in the past. The ALJ also erred in failing to allow cross-examination of the landlord. That's the extent of my, my comments, but we'd like the rent board to take all of this into account in reviewing the appeal that's been filed in 6E at 721 Baker Street. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, are there additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide a comment? Yes, we have one more caller. Please allow the caller. My name is Thomas Tyler. I'm a non-attorney representative for Juana Maria F. Cartagena Living Trust, and I'd like to address item 6C, consideration of appeals. Um, we, we'd like to appeal in part the, the ALJ's decision concerning utility payment, uh, which had decided that the landlord would be fully liable for all utility uh, based on the original rental agreement, uh, which was based on the land living in the main unit and the tenant residing in the mother-in-law suite. Uh, at this time, the main, the main unit is completely empty. Uh, the only utility charges are for the mother-in-law suite, which is basically the cost for the tenant themselves. So we're asking this for uh, consideration of the fact that while the original agreement was based on joint tenancy of the landlord in the main portion of the home and the tenant in the mother-in-law portion, at this point, it's solely occupied by the tenant in the mother-in-law portion of the home. All utilities are based on their use. Uh, you're asking for consideration more equitable uh, division of the cost. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, are there additional members of the public in the queue uh, raising their hand wishing to provide comment? No, not at this time. Okay. Um, And at this time, have any additional members of the public raised their hand? No more callers in the queue. Okay, thank you so much for confirming that. So we will go ahead and close the first of two public comment periods. Thank you, they're finished. Thank you. Thank you. We will now move on to item six, consideration of appeals. I'll just renew my after the entire consideration of appeals so yeah if you look at your agenda and they'll go through a b c d yeah we'll go through all of that they'll make all their decisions they'll vote and then you can speak again thank you commissioner wasserman is uh departing the room as he is recusing himself from the consideration of this appeal due to executive director Berger. yes please um i also will recuse myself from the consideration of this appeal i did not work on the underlying case but i have represented um, related entities uh, land and other occasions 
Thank you, Commissioner Klein. So Commissioner Klein and Commissioner Wasserman are exiting the meeting room uh, at this time, accusing themselves from the consideration of item A, 1550 Bay Street, number B415, AT230036. Okay. Item A, 1550 Bay Street, uh, unit B, 415. The tenant's appeal was filed six days late because the tenant states that they were out of town when the decision was mailed. Do I have a motion for good cause for the late filing? I would move to find good cause. Second. Call for the vote. A motion to find good cause for uh, the uh, Consideration of the late appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Tom? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? Aye. The landlord's petition seeking certification of capital improvement costs was partially granted for pass through to 55 units. One tenant appeals, contending in part that the work was unnecessary and provides unequal benefit to the tenants, that the work was more costly than necessary and that the work was performed for the purpose of marketing vacant units for higher rent. I move to deny. Second. I will just um, read going over the tenants appeal and I don't see it. I was really concerned about the inclusion of the elevator um, but I would guess that um, for tenants who don't live in those particular buildings, but since there was no appeal on that issue, um, I, I don't see that we need to address that. Okay. Further comment? Call for the votes. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Tom? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? Aye. The petitions have been denied and the hearing officer's uh, decision stands. Item B. Oh, uh, um, thank you. Item B, 1600 Larkin Street, apartment 303. The tenant's appeal was filed nine days late because the tenant states that they underwent extensive dental work that impaired their ability to file a timely appeal. Do I have a motion for good cause for a late filing? So made. Second. Call for the vote. A motion to find good cause for the late filing of the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? The tenant's petition alleging decreased housing services was denied. The administrative law judge determined that the 
tenant failed to establish a substantial loss of housing services. On appeal, the tenant claimed that there were factual errors in the decision and that she provided substantial evidence in support of her claim. I would move to deny. Second. Any comments? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Mossbrucker. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. And Commissioner Haley. The hearing officer's decision stands and the appeal is denied. Item C, 182 Naples Street, the in-law apartment. The landlord appeal was filed one day late because the landlord states that they cannot afford an attorney and misunderstood the deadline to file the appeal. You have a motion for good cause for a late filing. So made. Second. Call for the vote. A motion to find good cause for the late filing of the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. Commissioner Mossbrucker. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. And Commissioner Haley. Aye. The tenant's petition alleging an unlawful rent increase was granted in part and the landlord was grant, found liable for rent and utility overpayments in the total amount of $8,508.98. On appeal, the landlord argues that even if the former owner included utilities in the tenant's initial base rent, the new owner should be permitted to modify the terms of the tenant's lease and require the tenant to pay their own utility costs. Move to deny. Second. Comments? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecker? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? The hearing officer's decision stands and the uh, petition is denied. Item D, 2471-46th Avenue, basement apartment. The tenant's petition alleging decreased housing services was granted in part and the landlord is found liable for decreased housing services and utility overpayments in the total amount of $4,259.80. On appeal, the landlord claims in part that the decision is unfair, that mold was not a concern at the property, that she allowed the tenants use of the laundry machines as a voluntary courtesy, and that the tenants agreed to pay the monthly solar panel charge. This is 46th Avenue. I would also suggest that the landlord in this case Consider getting some legal counsel because her threat to install coin-operated machines will probably result in her having to come back and a further reduction in rent for the tenant. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Any further comments? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? Aye. The hearing officer's uh, decision stands and the motion uh, is denied. Item E, 721 Baker Street, 
the tenant's petition alleging decreased housing services was granted in part and denied in part. The landlord is found liable for rent reductions in the amount of $819 for a lack of heat for the period between November 28, 2018 and January 9, 2019. But the administrative law judge found that the tenant's remaining claims were either barred by prior mediation agreement or outside the jurisdiction of the rent board. The tenant appeals on various grounds, including that the tenant was denied due process, that the administrative law judge failed to consider all the evidence, and that the prior mediation agreement is invalid and unenforceable. I would move to deny. Second. I would like to ask ALJ, Senior ALJ Coombs a question about the framing this as a jurisdictional issue. I mean, if a mediation agreement is made at the rent board and the landlord or the tenant violates the agreement, can't the party come back, especially if it's a decrease in services petition here, and present evidence that the decrease in services was ongoing? It's always been our policy that there's no uh, administrative enforcement mechanism for settlement agreements at the rent board. And so that, um, you know, one party feels that the other side has uh, you know, breached the agreement, not complied with the agreement in some way, the remedy is to go to court uh, to enforce the agreement. We, we don't have any type of petition or way to enforce the terms of a settlement agreement, which could include, you know, terms, agreements that are completely outside, you know, uh, the types of issues that would come up in arbitration. So, you know, our view is it's a contract between the parties that can be enforced in court. Well, it seems uh, in this situation is that the issues that are being dealt with are directly in terms of, it's not an additional contract or other terms, but it's an issue whether or not there's a decrease in services. Right, and in, in this case, you know, what the judge had written in their um, appeal response is that essentially when the parties settled this claim, the tenant was agreeing to give up his right to pursue a decrease in services in exchange for whatever the terms of that agreement were. And so the tenant can't now come back and say, well, I don't like that agreement or the tenant didn't abide by it, and then just restart that claim, right, file a new decrease in services petition. And I think, you know, the concern would be that if, if that were to be allowed, then, you know, our settlement agreement you know, party that was unhappy or changed their mind could simply just come back to the rent board and file a new petition. And so those agreements are intended to be a full and final settlement of all the claims. And that's what it said in this, this settlement agreement. It was a full and final settlement of all the claims in the tenant's petition. All right, thank you. Okay. Any further comments? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrooker? No. Commissioner Chan? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? Aye. The hearing officer's decision stands and the motion is denied.
Item F, 3459 Divisadero Street, Apartment 304. The tenant's petition alleging decreased housing services was initially denied. The administrative law judge found that the tenant failed to meet his burden, his burden approving that tandem use of his parking space was a housing service provided by the landlord at the inception of the tenancy. The tenant appealed the administrative law judge's decision in that it's March 14, 2023 meeting. The board voted to accept the appeal and remand the case for the administrative law judge to consider the tenant's new evidence on appeal. In the remand decision, the administrative law judge granted the tenant's petition and the landlord was found liable in the amount of $43.56 per month for the loss of tandem parking. On appeal of the remand decision, the tenant argues that the administrative law judge undervalued his claim and that the landlord should be compelled to either reinstate the service or provide him a replacement parking space. The landlord also appeals the remand decision claiming that the initial decision was correct and the tenant's evidence on appeal was uncompelling. I have a recusal that I filed the ethics commission on this matter because I'm a part owner of Vertex property participate in this matter. Commissioner Wasserman is departing the meeting room. I'll move to deny the appeals. I'm sorry. There, there are two appeals. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, on the first one, I'll make a. I'm sorry. I'll make a motion to. Grant the, the late filing because it's late filing. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, both we're both landlords. Sorry. I'm behind. Where are we? I'm, we're on item F, the visit So I'll make a motion to deny. I'm so sorry. I'm confused. I'm going to make a motion to deny the tenant's appeal and uphold the landlords and grant the landlords remand, but that the initial decision was correct. I second. I would strongly disagree with that. I think the tenant met his burden of proof. My motion would be to deny both the appeals. We had asked for the ALJ to reconsider this case based on the newly submitted evidence. The tenant did submit evidence that he, of the terms that he was promised, and he presented circumstantial evidence that he had use of the parking space as tandem from a tenant who was there at the time his tenancy ensued, and also that there were other people who did tandem parking during these time periods. So I think he carried his burden. The landlord didn't present any evidence contrary to that. And I think that the ALJ's decision was correct. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
And so I would strongly urge that we deny both the landlord and the tenants appeals in this situation. I, I feel that uh, uh, that was not reached, that, that, uh, that, that the uh, uh, original decision is correct. It wasn't a, a, a formal authorization of, of, of the use of, the, of that, that uh, uh, a parking space. And uh, that's what I was looking for uh, when it was remanded. And that, that threshold was not met. Um, the, the evidence did not change uh, uh, the fact that there was not a formal acceptance of the use of that, uh, of that uh, parking space. Well, that's, that's always been our standard, right? It's what it's the use of the, of the property at the present time. Right. Even the evidence supports that there was, the evidence supports I mean, you look at what was provided at the commencement of dependency, and that's what the evidence going toward that the tenant had up the space as a tenant parking at the commencement of dependency back in 1995. And that's what the ALJ, you know, relied on to take that finding that the ALJ, the tenant had to that space at the tenant parking at commencement of dependency, and this removal of that would be at least housing services from what, what was offered at the commencement But there was no formal I don't think that, agreement. Well, I don't think you ever require a formal agreement every housing service case. Just look at what was offered at the commencement. We don't know that. We have, we have the tenant's testimony under oath, and we also have yeah, declarations from other tenants who witnessed this. There has to be a burden showing that it was included. Well, and he met his burden by presenting his own testimony that the uh, that the resident manager said he could tandem park, and by providing declarations from the tenant who resided in the building and testimony from that te former tenant that he observed this tenant tandem parking and that that was the practice in the building at the time, and there's nothing in the formal agreement that says that you cannot tandem park. So we have, since, since the contract is silent on that issue, we look to what the parties said, what they were told, and they had a binding agreement. And the landlord presented no evidence at all that that was not the case. And conversely, the tenant did the same evidence. It's not, it's, it's not been presented to, to reach a threshold. I mean, I, it sounds like, a, it sounds like the evidence shows a life option to use but it, i don't see that well, you don't have a license in a rent control tenancy to use a parking space when it's you could. when it's part of your rental agreement that you have use of the parking space and it doesn't say how you can or cannot use the well, parking I, space. I think the question is you know i don't think the question is what was whether the first parking space and i think the question is whether the second is it's all one space it's how it's being used it's not, I mean, it's not, right? It's two spaces and it, it's a question of, you know, it's how it's one it. long space and the tenant chooses to use it to park his car. And when he has a guest to park it, have the guest park in the other 
part of the space, it's 15 feet long. So these parking spaces are not a single space. They are two spaces, right? When you go to rent a tandem parking spot. It may be described that way, but you can certainly use a long enough space as a tandem parking space. Well, I think the question is, is the second space, was he that part of the rental agreement or was that someone said you can use this? And if it says, if someone said you can use this, that's a license. That's being given the right to use something doesn't mean it's included in your rental we all agree with that, right? No, <laughs> not with the, in this situation. I don't think it's a license, and I don't think it's. I think it's a service that was provided. He has use of that space. If he wanted to park his car and his motorcycle in that space because they both fit, I don't see where the landlord could prohibit that unless it said so in the rental agreement that the space can only be used for parking one vehicle. That's not what the rental agreement says here. Right, but we're, I mean, I feel like there's a concept of using a whole space to drive into it and park your car and then parking another car behind it. And maybe someone said you can do that, but that doesn't mean he rented that spot. Well, he did rent the whole spot. I mean, not necessarily. I don't think there's, I think that's what uh, President Gruber is trying to say. There hasn't been evidence shown that he rented the full spot. There's been evidence shown that he rented the first spot and then, then someone said you can use the there's, second spot. There's no allegation that he, in this case and no discussion in this case that he took over space that he was un, not entitled to. It's just how he's using it. I see a different issue in security. Usually they name the license plate number or the VIN number on these garage parking agreements and they would only put in one car or if there was a second car, it would be the same car all the time. But it sounds like different people came in that may not even have lived in the building. How do they get in and out of the garage or to the area? Do they need a key? Is there a security problem for the, for the good of the building? Um, that just wouldn't make sense to be able to grant something like that. I don't think that would have ever been a, a landlord or a tenant's intention to do that. Um, other tenants in the building may object. There's also no evidence of that going on. I, I mean, I think this just comes down to whether or not he was allowed to use it or whether it was included as part of his album. Right. I want to call the will. I feel like we're repeating okay. ourselves. Any further comment? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the tenant's appeal and to accept the landlord's appeal to uphold the original decision. Commissioner Klein? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrecher? No. Commissioner Chan? No. And Commissioner Haley? I would move to deny both the landlord and the tenant appeared in this matter. Second. So what, that would be the... Uh, this decision remains. The, the uh, uh, hearing officer's decision would, would stand. Would stand. Any further comment? Oh, I'm sorry, did we have a motion? Yes. Second. Yes. Comments? Call for the vote. 
a motion to deny uh, both the landlord and the tenant's appeals. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? No. Commissioner Klein? No. And Commissioner Haley? The motion carries. The uh, hearing officer's decision stands. We have now completed the uh, consideration of appeals. We move on to item number four, remarks from the public. Thank you, President Gruber. It is now time for the second of two public comment periods. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required, to state your name for the record. If you're calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence in regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. As stated earlier, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. We will now go ahead and take comment from any members of the public here in the meeting room. If you wish to address the commission, please step forward uh, to the podium and use the mic. Thank you so much. We'll have three minutes. Uh, in respect to uh, item A, I uh, um, asked the uh, commissioners or the board to reconsider their uh, decision uh, denying uh, my appeal. Um, I point out that, uh, and I'm, I'm referencing uh, the administrative law judge's document that was sent to me. Uh, I only received it, uh, I believe, yesterday or the day before. Um, so citing section 7.15c, which she cites in her uh, this document, the cost of luxury items in the common areas of the building shall not be certified where a tenant has objected to the hearing that the, to the installation unless the landlord can establish, i.e., it's the burden on the landlord, that the items needed to be replaced and the replacement items were of equivalent quality to the items, excuse me, were required for reasons of health and safety or excessive maintenance costs, that the items needed to be replaced and the replacement items were of equivalent quality to the items being replaced and the building is and has been a luxury market 
building or other extraordinary circumstance. So all of these are extraordinary circumstances. This is the language of the section, burden on the landlord. Uh, I respectfully uh, ask you to reconsider the landlord did not provide any evidence, did not to the, uh, at least in the hearing that I heard, okay? And in fact, when I challenged directly the landlord's representative uh, uh, in that hearing, there was no response by the landlord. I said uh, for each item or the most significant items, I said these items were of a cosmetic gold plating uh, purpose. They were in order to make this into a luxury building. It was never a luxury building. There's been a consistent pattern from the time these owners took ownership of this building to try to make this into a luxury building, obviously to get more rent, okay? But these items were all of a cosmetic a nature they were not required they had no functional value and i just very briefly cite the items they had a new carpet tile and carpeting in the quarters $120,000 they did not like the color there was no reason to replace that there was uh they replaced elevators for um, I, f I forget the total sum total but it was a considerable sum and these elevators were fully functional. They wanted to have prettier elevators, okay? They installed an access control system, $317,000, a FOB system. Everybody has the key. They did not change the doors. The doors are still very difficult to access, especially for people with disabilities or uh, elderly, including me. It's hard for me to get through the doors. They have very difficult, it's a very difficult building to navigate. But they put a FOB system in so they could save themselves uh, being having to make keys for everybody. Thank you. Anyway, I go on and on, but that's you understand the uh, the the my, my my direction here. So I respectfully ask you to reconsider your uh, decision. So there were three things that he said that were incorrect. When I started the uh, um, lease in 1995, Greg Brill, in, in testimony, he was live. He said he witnessed it in the beginning of my uh, residency, tenancy. He also said that there were 65 incidents, okay? Each one of those people said minimums on that. I used it about three times a month, and I said this in my first hearing. It's, it's been over about 500 times in those 20 years. He also said that there was one uh, actual tenant. There were two. It was Cam Carwin and Greg. Both of them were live. The other thing, as, as you mentioned, it's a great point. When you sign a lease, you should have the license, the VIN number, and everything else. It did not happen then. It was a loosely run organization. They started doing it two years ago when this new property management came in. There were no lines, no differentiation. I said this in my first hearing. My spot was the only spot with no delineation, old lines and new lines, and they said this is the unique spot. Turned out not to be unique. This last testimony says we parked there daily in a different segment. The people before me did it that way. That's what was promised in the lease. It said parking. There was nothing to contradict that, okay, in the lease. That said you can have it this way. This is the way it was done. There was nothing contradictory. Um, that's all that I have. Thank you.
Are there any additional members of the public here who wish to provide comment? This is your last opportunity this evening. This is your last opportunity this evening if you wish to provide comment. We'll have three minutes. Is she, she going to speak or you're going to? Hi. Okay. Hi, I want to talk about that. Uh, everything is for the tenant right, but what, what, which one for the uh, landlord rights? But why, how come everything we 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 talk about that is for the denied? So hopefully, the ten, the owner is the you know pay a lot of tax, you know, in in state. The tenant not pay any any tax for the government, but everything we, we do anything is is wrong. But the tenant is right. I want to know is what is for the tenant rights. The landlord rights is to the tenant right. And um, and she would like you to reconsider your your. Uh, the client decision decision because there are three items in the appeal. Uh, one is uh, the washing machine. She make an effort to work with the tenant. She put the coin laundry in, and then so she can uh, she can do that. Um, I mean, she she trying to make uh, find solution. And then secondly, the uh, the solar it ha it would um, benefit the tenant in long run. The, the bill going to be very low. Thirdly, the tenant ha only. Utility in the in the lease clearly say 50-50, and the tenant only pay one third, and it been one third for a while. So all of these um, apparently they they are um, she, she make an effort to work with the tenant. So she asked if you can reconsider your decision and look at it too clearly. Lastly, she, sometimes she miss uh, the invoice because sometimes the case, uh, the, the bill go back to like, let's say last year, and she's not able to pull it from her bank. So sometimes she, if you see missing a document, that would be, would be, you know, she's not able to pull it out. But whatever you, else you need document to prove, she just let her know and she can do that. She's hoping that you can reconsider your decision. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Are there any additional members of the public here this evening who can provide comment that haven't already? Now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comment, we will open up public comment opportunities for members of the public attending the meeting remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov slash rentboard in the Commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda, and remote meeting access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2664-647-3472 
press pound and press pound again. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you're in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. You may then give your comment. To withdraw the question, dial star and three again and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. Friendport staff member Diana Flores is again operating the phone system. I will be keeping time. When your time is up, you should hear a timer ringing, time will be called, and you as the caller will be muted. Ms. Flores, do we have any callers raising their hands in the queue wishing to provide comment? Yes, we have one caller in the queue. Thank you so much. Can you please allow the first caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. Good evening, I, this is Mark Carton again uh, for item E. I listened to your decision. Um, I wanted to make a comment that the terminology used in the settlement agreement is misleading. The tenant can come back to the rent board in a subsequent hearing when they cannot. It seems that the rent board should change that terminology and also inform the uh, litigants or the, the tenants at least that <clears throat> because the court imposed statute of limitation, for decreasing services is so much smaller and less and shorter than what a tenant can obtain in the rent board, they should be informed to that effect. And in relation to the ALJ's decision, I think the board actually missed one item in that the ALJ used the concept that the, uh, that, excuse me, that settling for past decrease in services could bar the tenant from asserting a current and future decrease in services, which is what occurred in this case. And we'd ask that the board take that into consideration and reconsider their decision. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Ms. Flores, are there additional callers in the queue wishing to provide comment? There are no additional callers. Thank you so much. So we'll give it just one more moment as this, as this is the final opportunity uh, to provide public comment this evening. So we are about to close the second of two public comment opportunities this evening. So if there are any members of the public uh, viewing the meeting who wish to provide public comment, you must dial in on the phone to do so. You would dial 415-655-0001 and then enter access code 2664-647-3472, press pound and press pound again. You will then hear the meeting as you wait on the line and you will dial star and three to enter the public comment queue and indicate to staff that you wish to provide your comment. So we'll give it just one more moment. Ms. Flores, are there any uh, remaining members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? 
No, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you so much. So at this time, we will close the second and final public comment uh, period of the evening. Uh, and thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Next, we go to item seven, communications. Thank you, President Gruber. Pardon me, just one moment. So good evening, commissioners. This is Executive Director Christina Barner. Um, you should have only received one article from staff from Center Square this evening. And that, I believe, is all for communication. Okay, ready for item eight, director's report. Thank you, President Gruber. Good evening, commissioners. This is Executive Director Christina Barner. So um, operations continue as normal at the rent board and the department continues with hiring and recruitment and our MOVE project. We have uh, two new staff members here this evening with us. And as always, we expect to have new staff at upcoming commission meetings and I will introduce them shortly. Um, in regards to outreach, uh, a more brief report this month. Uh, inventory and fee unit staff member Evelyn Benitez presented at the North of Panhandle Neighborhood Association on June 15th. And staff will present to both owners and tenants at the Glen Park Neighborhood Association on July 27th. So this was an initial outreach we had discussed at the last meeting um, where we had reached out to about 100 neighborhood organizations and benefit districts um, to uh, get more word out there about the inventory and, and information about So moving on um, to the rent board fee, about 13,600 uh, 2023 notices of delinquent rent board fee were mailed to owners late last month, where owners have now been given the opportunity to pay within 30 days. And if they still have not paid, the unpaid obligation will be referred later this summer to the city's Bureau of Delinquent Revenue. And the cycle now that we've gone, the second cycle that we've closed and will go is going into delinquency, so it'll sort of be on a similar cadence. Uh, did you have any questions regarding that? Um, in regards to legislation, Board of Supervisors file number 230770 was introduced on June 27, 2023. And the ordinance would amend the rent ordinance to provide that tenant occupied units and buildings that will be receiving either low income housing tax credits or tax-exempt multifamily revenue bonds shall remain uh, subject to the rent ordinance so long as any of the existing tenants continue to reside in the unit or unless all the tenants in the unit agree otherwise in writing and for any such units that may have previously become exempt from the rent ordinance since 2018, restoring rents to the levels allowed had the rent ordinance continuously applied. That was helpful. And that's the uh, only legislative update. 
Um, I would like to introduce you to two new staff. Um, so Amanda Esquivel is here. She joined us last month as the department's uh, newest legal assistant, and she is um, replacing Elvira Jane, who is irreplaceable, um, but right. retiring um, after 23 years and who has basically done everything for the part everything about the department. So Amanda is soaking up all the knowledge while she can. Elvira is going to be part time uh, for her period Um, so uh, Amanda comes to us from the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, where she worked as a victim advocate, uh, particularly with immigrant victims. And Amanda also interned in the housing program at Centro Legal de la Raza in Oakland, and is a licensed optician and speaks Spanish. So we welcome Amanda. Um, thank you for welcoming her. Um, seated next to Amanda is Craig Van Spronson, who started at the rent board yesterday as the department's first ever IT operations support administrator. And we are absolutely thrilled to have him. Um, Craig comes to the rent board from the San Francisco Unified School District where he worked for 13 years in IT ops support. And very importantly, he served on the team rolling out thousands of devices during the pandemic and on many different school campuses supporting teachers. Um, and we are so fortunate to have Craig. Craig will work directly with Amir and will run down the tech team. So, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Same with so much enthusiasm. We're so happy. Um, so, thank you. That's your new staff um, that have just recently joined us. Um, Commissioner Sawney, you had requested an update from the department's racial equity um, So, thank you for requesting that update. Um, Firstly, I do want to give credit where credit's due to staff members, uh, Jennifer Rakowski and Erin Katayama, who have really been carrying on the department's work for two years as, a, as volunteers, um, in addition to their regular work and numerous jobs. So they took this work on. They taken their plate out of necessity. Um, firstly, I recently took part in another meeting uh, with Dr. Cheryl Davis from the Human Rights Commission, together with other department heads and racial equity leaders uh, throughout the city. We are collaborating citywide on the work, um, taking uh, learnings on initiatives from other departments to incorporate into our own work or use as a reference point. And this includes strategies around recruitment, hiring, pathways to employment, retention, and culture. Um, the Office of Racial Equity and the Human Rights Commission is, uh, are beginning a more focused, shorter-term initiative around pure learning cohorts where departments focus solely on one area, not on the entire racial equity action plan. Um, the Rent Board has chosen to focus on a pathways cohort to be able to sh really share and reflect on practices that departments have tried around equitable professional development, mentorship, uh, pathways, for if, and pathways for employee mobility. So this is going to be something that's going to be worked on and just uh, starting getting rolled out. I think so it's going to be when it's fit. We'll have as a department and various departments of areas. Um, in addition to that, so just sort of like more general updates about what we've been up to. So uh, we have been expanding and stabilizing the racial equity team. Um, our team has 
stabilized that we have now we now have and I think I announced last month the addition of a an actual department equity leader and with uh with that the role is being part of his actual job responsibility so he took a, a large amount of time to do that work and this is a huge step forward from our setup of volunteer for the past three years um secondly i think i've talked about you know our hiring and recruitment quite a bit but it's really uh, done with an equity lens and so it's really putting our hiring policy, uh, our hiring equitable hiring recruitment policy into action. Um, this has been a process, but you know, given the large amount of hiring we've been doing over the past 18 months, the department has had many opportunities to implement the actions laid out in the equitable recruitment and hiring policy that we drafted, you know, to the extent we are able. Um, and we've done a pretty good job. So far, I think, um, especially considering the volume of hires, there is an initiative that our new racial equity leader is doing to, as part of the uh, equitable recruitment and hiring policy, um, have really wanted to focus on like, sort of breaking down how the entire process out of that opportunity and um, sort of have a, a reflection. The process. So that's something it's quite difficult sometimes to actually do with your sort of office very fast cadence of hiring and recruitment, but we're trying to uh, operationalize that. Um, in regards to language access, there has been um, a bit of improvement in translation services. Um, so that is very fortunate. Uh, and then finally, um, the department has spent considerable effort learning the atmosphere and feelings of, st of staff about how they feel about racial equity work, their personal experiences, and barriers to involvement in the work in the department. Um, and via surveys, one-on-one -on -one conversations, and observations, we now have a bit of a better understanding of how staff are feeling about racial equity issues and work which can inform steps and practices going forward. And this is really an ongoing process given that we have such a, a number of yeah, the work the understanding. So, uh, question. Thank you for not just overview that to the department. Um, I, I think it's really important certainly to start at home and see what your higher higher practices are how do you contain employee case uh, and that's from starts but from the work that uh, I'm also interested in how more long terms have those, have, what does very likely look like in the actual work of the department out in the field? Uh, if it be, um, are we noticing that, uh, I, I think the limitations to this mission is people being aware of the difference, not knowing, not being, not knowing, not knowing of the red board and what of it means that. Uh, I, I would probably gather that people who are absurd or collective ethnicities are probably disproportionately uh, the ones that don't, probably don't know the acts God actively. So I, I do think there's like opportunities in terms of what this board can do in terms of racial equity, uh, in terms of the six day to reach, um, making it more, and, and even reflected in the board's journal. It's kind of the next step that, again, believe is actually what you're doing now about looking at it internally and, uh, and 
didn't have a script to get all the people out there. So thank you for your guests. Okay. Thank you so much. And there is still a strong hope, especially because, you know, as you've seen, we're sort of a reflection on micro scale of large departments, proportionally the amount of attrition we have improvement that we have. It's somewhat proportional to a lot of city departments, right? Um, and so there has been a great deal of focus in all these transitions that we've gone And so I really, I definitely think there have been some things that you have um, a person dedicated to the work for a short period of time, but who is already sort of looking at, you know, what are things that we're doing now as far as accessibility. Um, and yes, uh, outreach. Getting people to And originally, when the racial equity clinic and you know, the office of racial equity was um, you know, first conceived, and then the plans rolled out, um, and then when they were at twenty. You know, um, it, there was again that focus internally, and there was a talk about that phase one, phase two focus, which because we are a, a community-based organization, extremely public forward, public public facing uh, organization, numerous amounts of public contact daily. We see that as incredibly important, and so I can Especially coming from a public information, working in a public information, having having data contact and seeing even those small ways that it's better for folks get them So I totally agree with you. And yeah, forward. Especially. Um, and one thing I always you mentioned it was yeah, other CADCs and then racial equity uh, for all the departments. I know a lot of great work happening. So as you're looking beyond and being more extra uh, external focused, I know uh, a lot of departments are also contemplating that work. It's the knowledge you expend extended effort. Absolutely. And um, staff to do collaborate people are completely
being so um, similar types of words, similar Any other questions? Um, Thank you. Thank you. Item nine, old business. Ten ten. Yeah. So we got. I had got information in. 410 this afternoon that Supervisor Connie Chan introduced legislation to kind of revamp overhaul the tenant right to organize legislation. I've not looked, seen a copy of it yet. Uh, my, did you know about this? Yeah. Neither did anybody when I walked in here. And again, this is late breaking news, right? 410 this afternoon. I was getting my stuff ready at the office to come back. So I conferred with Ash and she got. Commissioner Klein, when she got here, and I think the consensus is we best see what's in that. Uh, it's probably headed to land use uh, before we take any further action on it, because obviously the Board of Supervisors can write yeah, the laws. I'm, I'm surprised because I thought that there was only going to be corrective legislation after the rules and were dealt with, and that was the last I heard about it. So maybe we can just. Put this on again. Um, right. Yeah, I think we have to in light of the recent, very recent development this afternoon. So, and I will pause my work on it. Attorney, so, yeah, I don't want to spend the money. Right, attorney. So, so I'll halt. I, I would say we just carry it over until yeah. we get some of the final name. Would the city truly be? I'm gonna get this one. I I I got I'll talk to you later. I don't think so. <laughs> on this one. So okay. So uh, to be continued. Uh, uh, keep it on the agenda for the next uh, meeting, please. We go to item ten, new business. There is, is there any new business? There is no new business. Present. No new business. Uh, we'll go to item twelve, calendar items. Calendar items. Uh, the next. Regularly scheduled uh, rent board commission meeting will be on August 15th, 2023, uh, in person here in this same meeting room at 25 Van Ness Avenue, room 610. It will also be streamed via WebEx. Uh, we, I think we have one appeal consideration so far. Commissioner Mossbrecker inquired as to when the September meeting will be. It will be on September 12th. Thank you. You're welcome. What was that now? That's the Commissioner Mossbrecker inquired as to when the September meeting will be. Oh, okay. September 12th. Um, to have new staff. <laughs> Next, please. Okay, um, is that it for calendar items? That is President Group. Under consideration of appeals, does the X mean 10 or we don't know? <laughs> oh, that was unknown. Sorry. It's a little more known now. I think it's one. But... Okay. <laughs> yes, X is unknown. <laughs> All right. 
uh, with that, uh, uh, the reader for the Ramatusher Loni Land Acknowledgement will be Commissioner uh, Chan. Thank you. And with that, we're adjourned. Thank you. 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 Thank you.